DDCO at the plate. He's over two today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. DDCO lets it fly, and it's oh, it's raining now. episode of Rain Delay Theater. I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. Today, Jeremy and I, in the spirit of all of the uh, things that have happened with announcers in the <laughs> last two weeks, we'll be uh, running down some of our favorite announcer clips uh, of all time. Maybe clips that made us laugh or clips that we found absurd. Uh, but first, it is uh, episode number 85. Uh, so, Jeremy, that means we're going to do a player who debuted in 1985. We're going to feature a player. Yep, that's right. Uh, so, Jack, for my player, my 1985 player, I have uh, Yvonne Calderon, Jack. Do you, okay. do you remember Yvonne Calderon at all? I don't. All right. He was, um, yeah, I think he was a guy, again, in that sweet spot where, like, you know, in that five-year gap between us where I I remember the tail end of his career, but, um, uh, yeah, I could see you kind of missing him a little bit. But um, he sure. played for the White Sox. Uh, he debuted. Uh, he he debuted with the uh, Mariners. He actually debuted in '84, but I think he lost uh, rookie eligibility uh, in 1985. Um, okay. But he came to the White Sox um, in 1986, and uh, yeah, in 1987 he hit 28 homers with uh, 293 uh, batting average, and like he kind of was just, you know, nothing impressive before that. But '87 uh, was like, uh, you know, a big year for him. Um, and he he's another guy who like just as a little kid like um, I have fond memories of seeing like as a White Sox uh, he um, he was like kind of like a big he wasn't like a, a heavy guy but he was just like a big barrel chested guy like I think he maybe had like a big butt or something and uh, <laughs> kind of like big hair and like I just I just remember that like he would he his his uniform top was always like unbuttoned basically. Um, and he okay. just kind of looked like he kind of had that look to him. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, he was, um, he was, uh, just kind of like a fan favorite kind of guy, I would say. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird too, to look at his numbers, uh, 1990 and 1991, he made the all-star team in 1991 with Montreal, yeah. but in those two seasons, he had 48 and 47 steal attempts. Uh, and despite in all of his other seasons, he never had more than 15 attempts. So, like, just yeah. like in those two seasons, he was like, you know what? I'm going to be a base stealer this year. And he actually did pretty well. I mean, you know, 16, 16 caught stealings is a lot, but he had 32 and 31 steals both of those years, uh, in addition to being caught 16 times. Um, so, yeah, he was uh, not, like, kind of a strange thing, kind of an anomaly that, like, for those two years, he would decide to just steal a bunch of bases in the middle of his career. But it also looked like he had some decent pop, too. But, yeah, you're right, Jeremy. That, that falls in that five-year age gap. Where like I don't remember the guy at all, but but you do, which can be kind of frustrating, you know. Like I feel like there's all the all these guys that I kind of just missed out on because I wasn't quite old enough. Yeah, I know, it, and and like I feel like those those early those like five years are like probably my most like impressionable years, you know. <laughs> so like there's a lot of there's a lot of bad players that I thought were good because I was just a a, a little kid who didn't know any better. So so yeah, there right. can be that weird sweet spot there, I guess that will you know. Just, we're just off on. Right, and he, here's another guy who I never really was, was that aware of, but we, we actually talked about him on the podcast, uh, and you, you've actually talked about him, uh, Jeremy, kind of at length, but uh, Dan Pasqua mm. debuted in 1985, 
And kind of the reason, so we've got we've gone over his career, we've talked about his career, but we haven't talked about um, we haven't talked about this. So this gives me an excuse to bring this up on the podcast. Is uh, I came across this interview a little while ago with with Dan Pasqua, and it was like a, it was like a you know it was before the game. It was at U.S. Cellular Field, and it was uh, some some woman from like a radio station interviewing him for like a very short. It was a very short TV clip, but like it was one of those it was one of those interviews. It's like a ninety second interview, but it was one of those things where like clearly nobody had done their homework. Like this yeah. lady, like this lady didn't know anything about Dan Pasqua, and Dan Pasqua had like no idea what he was even doing being interviewed here. It, it was so, for some like random like FM radio station, if I remember yes. correctly. Yeah, and so she she says like you know, uh, you know you played for the Yankees and the White Sox like you know so what which team like did you like to play for best and he's like, well you know I I grew up in New York so obviously playing for the Yankees was my dream and she was like oh no but like he was totally serious and then like uh, and then she asks him out of the blue like not not nothing about baseball she's like so what is your go to karate move and he's like. <laughs> He was nonplussed. He was like, he was like, what? And then I, I think he said like, yeah, I would just try to, I would just try to block it. And she's like, do you want to see mine? And he's like, uh, yeah, okay. And then she does some like, you know, some punch move, and he goes, oh, like, like, oh, look out, or something <laughs> bad. And then yeah. she asks him for like the third question. She's like, so what do you prefer, New York or Chicago style pizza? And he's like. Well, nothing can beat that New York triangle slice, but the deep dish is excellent. And then, like, that was it. That was the end of the interview. And it was just, it's, it's great. It, it, was, uh, it was outstanding. Because, um, you know, Dan Pasqua is not the most uh, charismatic guy. No. So, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, yeah. So this is just like a priceless 90 minutes of, uh, of, you know, time you can waste on, 90 seconds of time you can waste on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, that, that's what I have to. That's what I have to say about Dan Pasquale. I'm glad I had a chance to to bring that up. So that's that's my guy from 1985. Very nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dan Pasqua, a lot of a lot of good stories about him. And uh, he was he wore glasses. He's part of the yep. all glasses team, I'd say, which yep. maybe might be a uh, off week episode at some point. But um, but yeah. So um, so yeah. So uh, a lot of stuff in the news, Jack. I. Real quick before we do that, I, I gotta say I'm coming off another meal. I think I don't know if it was last episode we I talked about my my Taco Bell uh, mother load that I hit. Um, yeah, and it's it's gonna sound like I just eat crap all the time, which isn't terribly far from the truth. But I'm I've uh, I'm I've been making Mondays kind of like my cheat day a little bit. But um, sure. So I'm Jack. I'm working off of 20, 20 chicken nuggets right now. Oh, did you did you eat all twenty of them? Oh yeah, I did. I actually almost stopped. 16 in and then i'm like why do you or 15 in i'm like well why would you stop at that point just keep going yeah in for a penny in for a pound yeah exactly um jack i wanted to ask you when was the last time you had a chicken nugget from mcdonald's uh it's um it's been years i i mean 15 15 (laughs) 20 years maybe i i don't see jeremy i i don't um i haven't been to mcdonald's in a while not that i you know don't ever eat fast food um but i when i go there i never i never get the nuggets um even though I, i like them and i think they're good um uh, well, you know, I, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes you get those nuggets and they're kind of like stiff. I don't know if they're still like this, but like it, it used to be you would get the nuggets. Some of the nuggets would be like kind of stiff and then some of them would be like real tender. You know what I'm talking about? Um, <laughs> I, do, I do know what you're talking about. Like spongy or maybe like every once in a while you would get that weird piece in, inside of a, a chicken nugget, which I don't even really want to talk about because it's it's 
unappetizing, especially with 20 uh, nuggets in my stomach. But yeah. <laughs> Did you get the uh, the sauces too? I yeah, I only use honey, regular honey. Oh, really? Which a wow. lot. Yeah, I mentioned this actually to my students uh, over the summer, and they were like, "What are you talking about?" And like, uh, yeah, that was I, I. I pushed back. We were pushing back a little bit on there. Like, usually my kids are pr- fairly well behaved, but this one, this is the the most ten, ten, uh, you know, uh, tense it had gotten in my classroom in a while. So, so you ate twenty chicken McNuggets with uh, just um, with just the honey sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I um yeah that, I don't that's I don't, like a lot of the same that's like a lot of the same taste for like a long time you know yeah I could see that yeah I don't I I don't I don't know if there was ever really a time where I was like using multiple sauces it was I've always been like a one sauce guy so like I was I was a sweet and sour guy for like a lot of my formative a lot of my Von Kelder own loving years um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah I've gone I think I and I was never really barbecue I know barbecue is like the default one. I'll, sure. say, I'll, I'll say this. I, I hate when you go to McDonald's and you get nuggets and like either they forget the sauce or you forget to ask or whatever. And then you just open the bag up and there's barbecue in there yeah. because they just assume that that's what most people want. And it's like that that could ruin a whole meal. But I, uh, I used to have mine with ketchup, actually, Jeremy. Ketchup is not uh, that's not egregious in my book. I, I think that that's I think that's, uh, you know, that's a fair sauce. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I, I, you know, if we're going to do um, food stories, Jeremy, I got a little food story for you. Okay. Um, I feel like a lot of good stuff. My best stories happen to me at Subway. You know, I, I feel like that's uh, that's just how it is. Did you go to um, a Subway recently? I this did, is, yeah. I was, was, I was a couple days ago, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I haven't eaten at Subway all of quarantine, and uh, it took me until like about June to realize that. Even though okay. bef- before quarantine, I ate it probably at least once a week, I would say, like quite yeah. often, especially Jack, we live right by a train station, uh, you know, a subway, an L station where uh, the su- uh, there's a subway right next to it, basically. Right. So it's very close. And that was actually the one I was at. It was okay. right. It was after I, it was after, I think it was after work, you know, got off the L and went, went to the subway. Um, uh, so, uh, so I go in there and it's like, I just happen to have the bad luck of like getting behind someone. Who mm. ordered four? Who ordered four subs Fuck for that. the family? And you know, it was like this. You know, this this uh, you know, forty, fifty something lady who was ordering for her whole family. So I see that she's gonna order four subs. So like, I need. I wanted to pick up like some some Lacroix from the that like uh, that liquor store that's like two that's two or three stores down. You know, the one that's on like uh, Montrose and Wolcott. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, so so I see that she's ordering like four four subs. So I'm like. All right, fuck it. You know, like I'm just gonna leave and come back, and then uh, so I go. I go to this liquor store. I pick up a couple of bottles of Lacroix, and then I come back, and then like uh, you know, I come back, and the the subway lady goes, uh, "Oh, thanks for coming back." You know, like acknowledging that I left because this lady was eating was ordering four subs. But the thing is, this like the, a dent had not even been put in this lady's order yet in terms Ugh. of making it. So. This lady's like, uh, you know, she, she's like telling the sub the subway worker like all about her family, like as she, as she's like ordering uh, the the condiments for the subs or the the vegetables. She's like, okay, well, this one's for the sixteen year old. Oh, he likes everything on his sub. So then, uh. like, you know, and then she's like, uh, and then you know, then uh, and then she's like, oh, so this next one's for the thirteen year old. You know, his, his palate's not as good, so he's just gonna have lettuce on his. Um, and oh, I wanted to be God. like. I wanted to be like, 
excuse me? Like, his palate's not as good. Like, I, I, I only like to get, like, the meat and, the like, the cheese and the sauce on my sub. So, like, what, do you, what are you saying about, like... What do you say? What what would that say about my palate? Like you know, excuse excuse me. Like you know, like fuck you. You know. Um, so uh, so then you know all of the subs get made, and this took ten to fifteen minutes because there was only one person working at the subway. And then she would, and then she was like, and I'll have uh, I'll have one double chocolate cookie, just you know, just one for Mama. I was like, yeah. I this is this is enough. That's enough. And then the to the cherry on the comic Sunday was that I wanted to get a, a meatball sub, and then the lady's like, we don't have any meatballs. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm out of here. And I didn't end up getting Subway. I, 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 I stood there for fucking 15 minutes. And I didn't, like, I didn't say it like an asshole. I was just like, all right. Because I wasn't in the mood for anything else, you know? I didn't, oh, I didn't want anything else. And so, uh, so yeah, I just, I just left, man, you know? Oh, God, that's a horrible story, Jack. I yeah. Like, well, I got to say, I was not, I didn't think your point of contention was going to be her, like, criticism about, you know, limited palates. I thought it was just going to be like, lady, who gives a fuck about your kids? Who cares about yeah. your family? I don't care yeah. what your 16-year-old likes on a sandwich. Neither does that lady either. She's trying to not get COVID and die. And she has to listen <laughs> to this bullshit, like, about the fucking kids and their palates. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah, it was it was bad, and then and then the lady even said to me like when I came back like uh, the lady who was ordering she was like she was like oh don't worry I'm ordering a lot but I'm fast I know what I want I was like this is this is just you know I don't need I don't want to talk to anybody in this subway you know all of a sudden I'm you know this is uh, this is the social club here the Ravenswood Social Club um, that's that's yeah. brutal that's brutal and like that's totally like a, a courtesy thing where you're like. You let the person go ahead of you, like, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, like, even if you want to be like, hey, are you just getting one? All right, go ahead. Like, yeah, I've, I've had people do that before. And like, you know, I, I, I feel bad or something, something sometimes, but I'm like, it's like, that's just common courtesy. I feel like that's, that's just, that's just all kinds of horrible. I can't even process it. I think we must move on. Yeah, we must. We must. Um, so, uh, I, I guess in the spirit of like, uh. Uh, you know, being being Social angry about pause. things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there were two um, two bad announcer faux pas that that happened recently. Mark Grace's and Tom Brenneman's. Mark Grace's is a little bit older, so I guess we can talk about that one first because that happened almost two weeks ago, I think. But yeah. uh, he called his wife a dingbat three times uh, while telling a story on TV. Yep, and I was watching that one uh, live, Jack, uh, with with my wife actually, and. I, I will say this sometimes my wife like will be watching a game and like you know I have I've developed the 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 radar or whatever to like be able to like take in what's being said on the on the broadcast without like my eyes on it or like while I'm doing something else like I it's still being funneled into my brain and she was doing something else and she didn't she like kind of heard what he was saying but it wasn't really registering with her because she was like doing work on her laptop but um it's just like yeah it's uh it, it was it was the definition of cringeworthy for sure. Um, and it's just like, it's not even the fact that he was using that term because like a, a, like a, a, a person who comes across better could probably get away with using that term. But the way that Mark Grace was just using it, like he was just completely oblivious to why this may be like inappropriate. And he was, he just kept saying like, yeah, I call her the dingbat. And like, he kept leaning into the dingbat and it's like, like it wasn't the funny the first time you said it. And like, 
he's like quoting Archie Bunker, which is like, yeah, that's that's the that's the my number one quotable guy, like especially in the year twenty twenty is Archie Bunker. Like, yeah, let's quote Archie Bunker in the year twenty twenty. <laughs> um, not to mention the fact that like that show was satirical. And like he was like the butt of the the you know of every time every time he said something inappropriate like it was it always pretty much was on him like the like he ended up getting like you know becoming the butt of the joke in the end or whatever like um, so not you know not even taking into account that like the irony of that would be completely lost on a bonehead like Mark Grace um, but it was just ridiculous uh, and it just kept going yeah he said three times like Len Casper tried to like throw back like I, I could obviously Len I'm sure Len and JD knew like what the fuck is what what the fuck is he saying like can we like go to a commercial or something um like Len at least tried to like throw it back at him and he called him meathead yeah. and then of course and then of course Mark Grace like being the fucking like meathead that he is was like um you know he's like oh and then when they went to commercial like he's like hey all right well whatever meatheads okay meatheads see you later like he like couldn't like he he th- he couldn't understand why there was like a little give and take. He was just like, "Oh, you're gonna call me a meathead? Well, I'll call you a meathead." Ha <laughs> ha. All right, we're you know, all right, we're that's what we're doing. We're fucking with each other. All right, meathead, 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 right. whatever. Right. Fucking ridiculous. And then yeah, and then in the post game show, he had to apologize, and and the apology was horrible too. He's like, "I'm sorry if I offended anyone. It won't happen again." Like that was his like apology. Oh, like, so so it, it wasn't it wasn't a written apology. Is like he they had him on TV like yeah. saying it. Yes, like wow. like like twenty five minutes after the game ended, like he was on with um you know that guy Cole Wright, I think his name is who I actually uh-huh. was behind. I was I was driving down Clark. I was driving by the ballpark yesterday. And I was I was driving behind him. He pulled out right in front of me actually. So I was oh, wow. behind him for a couple blocks. But um, so that's just a side note. But like, yeah, like he, I think the guy that guy Cole was like. Um, he said, uh, Gracie, I understand you, you have an apology you want to make or something like something like that. Or I understand you want to, you want to issue a little bit of an apology. And he's like, yeah, that's right. Cole. He's like, earlier I was telling a story about the former Mrs. Mark Grace. And I just want to say, I have the utmost respect for Mrs. Mark Grace and, or whatever. And like former Mrs. Grace. And I just want to say, we have two beautiful kids together and I think the world of her. And if I said, anything that offended anyone i apologize and it won't happen again like and that was it and like he was you oh, know wow. i mean they may have told him what to say and they might have like held it up in front of him or something but like right. but he it was meant it was delivered as if it was like you know off the off the cuff basically yeah sure um i, I mean yeah and my, my main thing about the story too is that like it wasn't a, it wasn't a funny story or even really no. in a because I, I think and i think jeremy and correct me if i'm wrong because i wasn't watching it live but uh, the context of the story and why he was telling it is that they asked him to like tell a funny story from his playing days. Is that kind of why it why it came up? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, it's funny actually because Len teed him up for that story. Like, yeah. He they, he was like literally like uh, Gracie, tell us a story about when you parked in uh, Bud Selig's spot or whatever. Oh, oh. So he like they teed him up specifically. Well, I I I bet like. Mark Grace didn't tell them what the story was going to be, or at least, like, how they... Like, he maybe told them he had a story about that, yeah. but, like, he didn't tell them how he was going to tell the story. No, or no, necessarily no. the specifics of it. Yeah, exactly. No, he, um, basically, uh, like, it's... I guess it's a well-known story, um, and so they were just telling him, like, hey, tell that story, and, like, yeah, I don't think they anticipated him, like, 
calling his wife a dingbat three times. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, so uh, it's interesting though because I was so I was doing more research about that story, and there's a clip where Bud Selig is talking about it. Really? Um, yeah, and he says so. Basically, the story was like yeah that that Mark Grace's wife was dropping him off at the uh, stadium because they were playing the Brewers, and he said just go to the hotel and I'll meet you there or something uh, after the game's over. And apparently I, it's not even very, very clear, but I guess the subtext is that she parked. The story is that she, the only way it can be interpreted is that she left the car right there at the stadium after he dropped him off. Like he walked out of the car, walked in the stadium and she just parked the car where it was and then got out and walked to the hotel. Like, I don't know how far the Fister hotel is from Miller park. I think it's, isn't it downtown? Isn't it like yeah, way far Mil- away? Miller Park isn't isn't downtown at all. Not at all. You know? No. So that it's not. It would not be walking distance. Yeah. So I the story doesn't add up, and so and that's why he called her a dingbat, and like he said that he had to run out like in his uniform and move the car, so it, like to stop it from getting towed. So Bud Selig told the story, and he was like, "Yeah, he's like, I just showed up and I saw a car parked there, and I said to the security guard like Lenny or whatever, I'm like, hey, who the hell's car is that?" And he's like, that's Mark Grace's car. And then Selig said, well, you tell Mark Grace that next time I go to Wrigley Field, I'm going to park in his spot. And that was <laughs> it. And that was, he said, that's the end of the story. He's like, in, the, in recent years, Grace has really taken that story and run with it. So the story, I think, is even bullshit. Like, it doesn't make it even make sense. Like, um, so not only did he, like, I think he threw her under the bus you know, in the process, but it's not even like it's, it's, that's not even true. Like, I think Mark Grace parked the car there. Okay. And like, also it seems like in the story, he said that the, the it was going to get towed, right? Like the car was going to get yeah. towed. Yeah. And that, that doesn't uh, sound like that was the case in Bud Selig's version of the story. Correct. Yeah. No, he's like, yeah, no, that, 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 that wasn't ever like, it's not like the, the tow truck. He, he even said that he's like in Grace's version, like this, the tow truck was there or something like, he, or maybe he doesn't say that, but like, he was like the 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 guy who was interviewing him said like man if you would have just had it towed that would have been awesome, and uh, Selig yeah. said well he's like well uh, you know something like you know ask Mark Grace the story and he'll probably tell you differently or something so yeah well I mean and, and also like with not know not having known this about the Bud Selig version like uh, you know the way Mark Grace told it I was like you know wow like Bud Selig kind of comes off as more of an asshole in that story than you would think like he just like sees a car and immediately wants to get it towed even though it's in his face and like I guess like he's a rich owner of a major league team but like that still didn't seem like it was necessarily like something Bud Selig would do who does seem like a pretty nice guy I guess or like you know um, at least not somebody who would like, uh, you know, instantly have somebody's car towed, uh, for a possible misunderstanding. So that, yeah, that's pretty sure. interesting to hear. Um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, Mark Grace was probably happy, uh, that like Tom Brenneman went and one upped him like three days later, <laughs> uh, yeah. in, in a, in the, the biggest way possible. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we can't repeat what Tom Brenneman said said on this podcast but uh but it was really bad and it was also really malicious too like uh yeah. just kind of the way the way he said it he really leaned into the slur that he used yeah the 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 inflection of his voice was not was not particularly good um i don't even know real quick before we get that far too far with that jack do you know who mark grace's ex-wife remarried after that yeah she she remarried ray liotta 
Yeah. Um, so, and I was, yeah, going to bring this up, Jeremy. It seems like Mark Grace is just bitter at his ex-wife. And, like, that's one of the reasons he, he likes telling this story. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think so. Um, yeah, but whatever. That's, uh, his, that's his own issue. And I guess Ray, Ray Liotta as well, <laughs> if he chooses to get yeah. involved. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, the Tom Brenneman thing, like, I, I don't know. I, I hope that I've shit talk Tom Brenneman on this podcast before because I would hate to make it seem like I'm just doing it now because of what happened because I've always thought that Tom Brenneman was a capital P-O-S piece of shit um, he's just a pompous prick motherfucker and like I fucking hate him and I have no sympathy for him and I'm no, I will not be one of the people who can v- vow for his uh, good uh, character or whatever he said in his fucking bullshit um, you know and really I don't think anybody is—I don't think anybody but his dad has come out and bowed for his character, have they? Yeah, I, I know. I don't think. So. Oh no, you know who did? Wait, hold on. Um, wait. Oh fuck. Oh yes, you know who did come out in support of him? Who? This is too good to be true. Kurt Schilling. Oh God. Yes, oh, that's right. No. Yeah, there, there was. That's a almost story. worse than. That's almost worse than nobody coming out. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. That's the only guy who's come out for him is Kurt Schilling. Um, oh God. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I, you can't make that, you can't make that stuff up, folks. Um, so yeah, like I just saw that maybe yesterday because also Kurt Schilling is on the board of that, um, that, like fake company that Steve Bannon is getting, uh, that was uh, indicted for or arrested for or whatever. Yeah. So Steve, uh, Kurt Schilling oh, may, may may go down with this ship as well uh which stay tuned for that one um but uh but yeah so anyway so um yeah no he was the only one who came out in support of tom brenneman um but yeah jack like so yeah so i i tweeted from uh, the account um uh from from our twitter account that like uh yeah hello chicago canceled tom brenneman 25 years ago or whatever because oh yeah I guess, I guess he left you know he i guess he left on his own accord uh wgn in chicago the cubs um but he was never accepted as a as a broadcaster in, in chicago and like i was too young to kind of really put my finger on it at the time but like you know they brought him in as kind of like the heir apparent the one of many heir apparents to harry Carey, and um i just you know it never like he never like took play like you know, took root. It was like him, Josh Lewin was here for one year. Uh, I think maybe only one year. Um, uh, Chip Carey, like, you know, was supposed to kind of take the reins from his, his grandfather. And then like, you know, the Harry Carey died and, and Chip just kind of got pushed right to the top. But like, you know, it, it's like for years and years, like they could never really replace uh, Harry Carey. And, um, you know, uh, Len Casper has done that, I would say, but, um, but yeah, so Tom Brenneman was just never accepted here in Chicago as, as you know, from, from everything I can, can ascertain. And he's just a fucking pompous prick. And like, I, you know, I can't stand him. Like there was, um, me and, uh, you know, former guests to bring him up again, Mark Bubblebath. We always say to each other enough already. Um, Uh do you know what that's a reference to Jack? No, no, I don't. So there was, um, a couple years ago, like, uh, Tom Brennan, the Cubs were playing the Reds, and this is like back in the heart of the time when the Cubs would just sm- like pound the Reds. Like, you know, they would win like, you know, I don't know, 14 of 15 games for the whole year against them or something. And he went on this diet. They, they were losing like 7 to 1, and he just went on this diatribe about like, he's like, you know, it's one thing to, for fans to come to a visiting ballpark and, and uh, cheer on the team, but, you know, here you got a. a 
fans who are uh, cheering "Go Cubs, Go!" You know, in the in the visiting ballpark, and and it's just you know it gets to be too much. And he's like, "Enough already!" And it's like, oh, "Go! God. What are you talking about? Like you're saying like they there's a there's a like a statue there's like a limit to like how much you can cheer for your the visiting team like in a visiting ballpark or your home your your favorite team in the home ballpark. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, and you know, again, just clearly bitter about Chicago and his time here. So fuck uh, Tom Brenneman forever. Well, I, you know, his his apology was was weak too, and and it was oh. also sur- it was also surreal because <laughs> uh, be, because first of all, uh, his his faux pas, uh, and I mean, I think I think faux pas is describing it a little bit lightly, but um, for lack of a better term. Uh, it happened in the um, the middle of a doubleheader, I think, and then yeah. uh, and then they let him on the air for five innings. I don't know if he was aware then that 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 his mic was hot when he said that. Um, but like you know, come the fifth inning, you know, forty five minutes to an hour after he said it, he apologized mid game and then left the game. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be a first. That's like never happened before for like an announcer to apologize mid-game for something he said, and then to just leave. But then yeah. also the fact that Nick Castellanos hit a home run right in the middle of his apology. And, like, <laughs> yeah. a, lot, a lot of people were criticizing him for, like calling, like, calling out the play that happened during his apology. But, like, I mean, I guess what was he supposed to do? Like, right. if it had just been, like, a pop-up, he wouldn't have had to acknowledge it. Or it, it would have actually been funny if he would have called the play, like, an out if it was, like, a pop-up. But to me, yeah. like, it only seemed, it only seemed natural... Like, it would have been weirder if he hadn't acknowledged that there had been a home run, like, while he was saying all of this. Um, yeah. But that just, made the, that just made the moment so much funnier. But, I mean, I, I think that what was bad about his apology was that the first people he apologized to were the people who signed his paychecks and Fox and the Cincinnati Reds, and then all of the people he may have offended. Where they, yeah. that, was the or, that was the order uh, in which he apologized. So, um, you know, I don't think he really had his priorities uh, in order. Uh, the next day, uh, he, he issued a, a lengthier apology to the LGBTQ plus community um, uh, and also tried to say that he didn't know that the word he said was uh, he, he didn't understand the history of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Tom Brenneman, uh, he's been taken off of the NFL broadcast and I think he has officially been canceled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I honestly didn't even follow up with the, the rest of it because I f- I figured this one was kind of in the books, but yeah. So he was let go by Fox uh, for for baseball, and I last I had heard he had not been officially uh, or there was no word on NFL. But has he been? He's been like let go of NFL now too. Yeah. So so he got as far as I know he was suspended by the Reds, and uh, he was he was just they've removed him. Fox has removed him from NFL broadcasts. Uh, yeah. They, they they made that announcement. So, um, yeah, I mean, it seems like for the foreseeable future, uh, he's, yeah, he's pretty much done. Um, yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's it's absurd. Um, I will say, like, he looked fucking shell-shocked in his, like, in his, uh, you know, uh, apology. Um, he just, like, had, like, big eyes. And he's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to put this headset on again. It's like, yeah, dude, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's crazy for him. He came to the ballpark uh, not knowing that, you know, his career was going to get completely destroyed that day. You know, like it yeah. happened. It happened so fast. Yeah, I. Yeah, and you know, I bet he's mad at the the production team for like having his mic live during that. Right. But like, right. you're you're fucking nuts. Like, <clears throat> like, 
that's one of those things where it's like I think you're you're it's one of those things where like I feel like you're they say like you know you were tr- you wanted to get caught like with criminals or something when they go back to the scene of the crime they're like and deep down they wanted to get caught or something it's like how do you say that even if you think your mic is off like it, with a mic in front of you like it's crazy like, yeah uh, with a mic in front of you around other people in your workplace right yeah and you know they were saying like you know if he said that in that in that setting what does he say behind closed doors i mean whatever the guy's a, a piece of shit for me this this does nothing to change my opinion of him um <laughs> i've always i always hated him and i always will um so yeah he can fuck off forever um <laughs> i i don't give a shit about tom brenneman and go he can go fuck himself um one thing real quick i wanted to say about the grace thing again real quick that i thought was really funny uh just to go back to that real quick um the uh i think he's like the tv critic for the for the uh tribune or the sun times now i can't remember uh i think his name is phil rosenthal um was writing about it and he was not even a sports guy he was like he's like a you know an editor like a tv guy or something um he was saying like you know unfortunately and for for people who've watched a lot of mark grace on marquee network broadcast they'll 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 really appreciate this joke but they're like he said something like, you know, unfortunately for Mark Grace, his his poorly functioning Wi-Fi uh, signal did not cut out when he made when he told that story uh, uh-huh. because like he you know, they would bring him on to, to, to games before that. And, and his like his Wi-Fi would like he, he would, be, you know, it would like cut out as he's yeah. talking like like he has bad Wi-Fi. And they'd be like, well, Gracie's having a <laughs> some technical issues. We'll, ke- we'll get back with him next inning. And then he would, like, either come back or there was one game where he just never came back. And yeah. it's like I could picture him at home being like, oh, what's up? What's going on with this dang Wi-Fi? I don't know what's going on with it. Like, and, and yeah, and, of course, like, the time when he decides to tell the story uh, that's, that's going to get him canceled, his Wi-Fi was working perfectly clear. So um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty damn funny. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, so that is going to lead us to, um, uh, the rest of, uh, to, to the main episode, uh, the main uh, topic for this episode, but, uh, we can wrap up a couple other news items we have here. Just, it's been a while, Jack. We, you know, we, we didn't record last week, so there's a lot stored up here. So, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Steve Stone, um, it's just an announcer heavy episode, obviously, yeah. but Steve Stone, uh, had some funny tweets about Rick Renteria. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, someone asked uh, Stoney, um, <clears throat> well, first of all, I, I, to, 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 as a nice bridge uh, between these two topics, I did tweet um, also, who's going to get fired first, Mark Grace or Rick Renteria? Um, <laughs> of course, the Sox have gone on whatever, like a seven-game winning streak uh, right. since then, so I think all is well right now on the south side. But someone asked uh, Steve Stone on Twitter, like, um, you know, do you think that uh, Renteria is the right guy for the job, basically? And Stone replied, like, I, I'll choose not to answer that, which in itself is an answer, which, you know, is like the <clears throat> I don't know if you would call that sardonic, but uh, that's like a you know classic Stone um, reply. And also Steve Stone is a good f- follow on Twitter. Jack, you and I were talking about it beforehand yep. and at Steve Stone, he uh, he doesn't hold back. Um, nope. and, uh, I guess just don't curse at him because he'll, he'll warn you once and then ban and, you know, block you. But, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Steve Stone feels Rick Renteria is the right guy for the job and we'll see, um, with the way that the playoffs are this year, you know, the Sox could very likely get in and maybe do something, but, uh, 
you know, I'm still I'm still all for uh, the Nick Swisher hating Ozzie Guillen to take back over the reins of the White Sox and lead them to the promised land. Sure, and I mean, uh, you know, um, to, to quote Lou Pinella, uh, talking about Steve Stone, you know, there's a lot of guys who've never put the uniform on who think they know everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's like, hey, Steve Stone, you know, why don't you put the uniform on? But, yeah. like, he's he's never said he said he has no desire to do it. So, right. yeah. Why don't you be a general manager or a field scout? <laughs> he calls him a field scout. Yeah, in that, in that yeah he says, uh, yeah, like, bring some kids in here or something. <laughs> yeah, bring some kids up or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, Lou Pinella is on the Marquee Network, like, as a, a consultant or, like, you know, like an analyst. And he's yeah. just in his home. Uh, and he, he feels – it feels like if you, you know, put your grandpa on FaceTime and try to talk to him. He's, like, looking – he's, like – lording over the camera and like he's like yeah he's like yeah i coached the cubs in 07 and 08 and we made the playoffs like it's like oh man we know that lou like you know that's not insight (laughs) you know you could just look that up on baseball reference um but uh but yeah it's it's kind of funny but there's a lot of crazy shit going on on the marketing network i guess is my point sure yeah yeah um uh well yeah i yeah i did not know he was on there so i'll try to see if i can catch one of his segments uh zach reinke um through an EFIS pitch uh, yesterday, I want to say it was yesterday. Yeah, um, so. yeah. He uh, the, the pitch was to Trent Grisham, but it was a, a 54 mile an hour. Uh, I don't know if you even call it a curveball. He just kind of lobbed it in there, and then on the next pitch, he struck him out with a like a 90 mile per hour fastball right down the middle, which uh, you know, which is tough for any any hitter to to deal with. But I, Jeremy, I don't. I was thinking, I don't know if I've ever seen an EFIS pitch live. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I was reading the article about that, and like, um, they said like it's like the slowest strike, uh, slowest pitch to be called a strike by a non-position player. Um, they said like Wilson or uh, what's her name? What's his name? Henderson Alvarez, right? Yeah, he threw one in like 2017, I guess, for a strike that was like 53 miles per hour. But apparently, sure. like Granky threw like has thrown the Ephus pitch before. I've I've never seen it, but. They said I was reading an article, Jeremy. I think they said he threw like twenty eight of them or something last year, or it was like twenty twenty plus, definitely. I mean, and so that's almost one a start, you know. So you go to a Zach Granke start, you know, it's very likely you'll see an Ephus pitch. Uh, so yeah, it uh, you know it would be interesting to see one live. I was just thinking I would probably have trouble hitting fifty four on the radar gun, you know, like and that's <laughs> a guy's slowest pitch. But he was doing something weird before he threw the pitch. Like he kept he kept like pointing downward, and then the mm-hmm. announcer started started laughing, and then he threw the Ephus pitch. So it was just like, I don't know. He was just being a he was just like acting like a, a goof up there. Yeah. But, um, no. He, you know, he. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's. I mean. Yeah. We're just on like Granky weirdo watch. Um. I w- in that article on MLB. dot com, like they were talking about how he's calling his signs now from the mound. Like uh-huh. he called. He like yelled to Martin Maldonado like. You know, second sign, second sign after uh, the first, you know, set or second set of after the first sign or something like, like audibly, so like the everyone on the field could hear it. Um, so he's doing that. Like he had, he actually yesterday asked for the ground, the mound to be manicured, and he like kind of sat down. He like kind of like laid down on the grass, like while the grounds crew was in front of him, like manicuring the mound. Like, you know, it's just there's just weirdness, like you know, abound with, with Granky. We talked about last episode, I think how he um, was in the, sitting in the stands uh, during his game, like right before the first pitch. And so, I mean, 
you know, he's a weirdo. I, I'm glad he's doing some weird stuff and we're hearing about it because, you know, I'm sure there's there's all kinds of stuff that you we miss just not watching every Astros game, too. So Right, right. Um, yeah, and and there, Jeremy, I kind of missed this, but there were uh, two. It seems like rookie debuts, right? So uh, there was a guy named Brooks Raley. Was well, he, is Bro- he a rookie? Brooks Raley is not a rookie. I was going to ask you, Jack, if that name rings a bell to you. At it, all. It, it does not ring a bell. It does right. not. Well, he was a Cub, um, but he was a Cub, but he was a Cub in uh, 2013. Was the okay. last time he uh, pitched. Uh, in the majors. So he pitched, uh, he came up with the Cubs. Um, he was actually drafted by the Cubs in the sixth round of the 09 draft. So he's 32 years old. Um, he pitched over parts of two years uh, with the Cubs, uh, I think um, 14 games total. Uh, and then he went to Japan uh, basically for, it looks like he might have missed a year or something, but he was in Japan for the last handful of years and just um, came back this year. And he's, Log games with Houston and Cincinnati, which is weird. I guess he's already he's already pitched for two teams this year, which is oh weird. wow. Um, but okay. yeah, so I just I saw that name and I'm like because there's these weird kind of Cubs that were around th- those years. Like um, Chris Russin is still pitching. Like he sure. pitched he pitched for the Cub. He came up with the Cubs and um, <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think. There like around that time, there a bunch of like Cubs like kind of like you know came up. They probably had like. They probably used like 70 guys on their roster that year or something, um, but uh, or like 60 guys and like so anyway. So Brooks Raley was one of those like random Cubs that you know appeared in some games in 2012 and 2013, and he's back in the majors now. So that that kind of threw me like that kind of like stood out to me a little bit. And the other thing that uh, stood out to me was um, <clears throat> uh, well not even stood out to me, but I just wanted to shout out Tristan McKenzie uh, debuted for the Cleveland Indians uh, over the weekend. And um, he uh, he's missed a lot of he was a, a top pitching prospect with the Indians and he's pitch, pretty much pitching in Zach Plesac's, uh spot, which is kind of cool. Um, but he's like, yeah, right. He's very he looks very similar to uh, Carl Edwards Jr. He's like a really, really skinny, tall guy. Um, oh, yeah. He, he struck out 10 guys in his debut. Uh, oh, wow. And gave up one run over six innings. So he looked really good. And uh, I hope he sticks with the um, uh, the. Uh, the, the club for the year um they they need them so i they need pitching so um uh, i don't know what's going to happen with clevenger and Plesac if they're coming back but uh but yeah yeah uh I, that's interesting jeremy i was going to say uh the, the one person who probably wasn't happy in the indians organization about that guy's success was zach Plesac. um yeah, especially especially after having seen his uh you know his little his little uh, uh, Instagram video that he made in his car. Um, yeah, it shows shows you just how uh, how aware he was of, of uh, you know what what he did to potentially could have done to his teammates. Um, yeah, but, including uh, but, yeah, one I cancer mean, survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, and well, and Clevenger too. I mean, Clevenger Clevenger knew that Plesac and Bussin. He got on the plane with the team. Yeah, uh, but the, the thing with Clevenger is. Um, you know, Plesak was looking okay this year, but like Clevenger is like a legitimate, at least a number two starter on almost any team, if not mm-hmm. like a if not a number one guy or, or an ace. I mean, he's he's a good he's a good pitcher, and like if they want to try to make any kind of run at it, you know, there's no reason. Well, they they need a guy like that. I mean, you know, he's he's pretty much a stud. So I don't think he should come back just like on principle, but I, I do think they're going to bring him back. 
I did I did read this though that like Zach Klesak, Clevenger's getting his major league salary either way. Um, sending sending him down for an extended period of time could delay his free agency, which they might want to do um, by a year. But Plesac, I guess, like he got busted back down to a minor league salary um, oh, wow. by being sent down. So I think he got busted down to like the the four hundred dollar a week salary that the that the minor leaguers are getting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm guessing that he wasn't uh, very happy about that. So uh, he really did kind of suffer the consequences of of his actions. Yeah, I mean, I think um, <clears throat> I think that uh, if if Francisco Lindor, if you're in the uh, if you were like the Indians general manager and Francisco Lindor is saying that he doesn't want them back on the team, they're not going to be back on the team. Um, no. And uh, yeah, honestly, if I was Francisco Lindor and I had Carlos Carrasco as my teammate, I would tell, tell those guys to go F off um, <clears throat> as well. Uh, I think it's why Oliver Perez said that he would, um, you know, uh, whatever, um, decline what's the word yep. the term uh he would opt out yeah opt out yeah if they if they came back and you know i that, that one they might that one they might roll the dice with but um <laughs> but lindor um yeah i don't think i think if they have to choose between clevenger and police or lindor they're going to try to please lindor there i think so right um yeah this is true so uh yeah interesting jeremy i'll, I'll keep I have to keep an eye on uh, tristan mckenzie um okay well i think it's uh it's about time for us to actually get into our topic is it not yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Um, so, do you want to go? Do you want to go first, Jeremy? Uh, well, so basically, we're gonna do f- uh, five um, announcer clips that we are some of our favorites, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Some favorite uh, announcing moments, I guess. Uh, you know. Um, so yeah, we can we can we can kind of run down some of these things, and we should just say, I mean, listen, I personally, Jack, I I limited myself. Um, you know, uh, and. If you recall way back when, probably two years ago at this point, we did um, baseball videos uh, where a lot of, not all, but a lot of the announcer, a lot of um, clips that we talked about were announcer clips. Um, and z- some of those are like all timers, you know, like so the, the Cubs Eric Estrada uh, interview uh, is just, you know, it's an all timer. Um, and, uh, that quite honestly, that's in a class all by itself. So I'm, I'm, I'm like not even like putting that in. My, it probably is my number one, um, but I'm not, I'm not putting that in there. And then also um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, the Rick Sutcliffe, the drunk Rick Sutcliffe clip, who is also also is on Marquee Network. Um, right. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Maddie, Maddie, what are you still doing here? Uh, like these are all timers, and like they just they're in a class all by themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, so and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, other ones. Uh, I think uh, we've talked about um, the Dennis Eckersley, David Price, uh, yuck comment. Sure. Like, that whole thing. Uh, uh, well, there's some other ones. Steve Stone has one. It's not even really a, a moment, but it's like Kent Merker called up to the booth. This is why Steve Stone hates the Cubs organization because. He was criticizing the, the the pitching or the team, and Kent Merker heard it in the clubhouse and called up to the booth during the game, and uh, was yelling at Steve Stone, and the Cubs management took the side of the players and not Steve Stone, and so 
there's all that stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so those notwithstanding, um, I, I pulled together five that I just wanted to mention. And so my number one, after that long preamble, is uh, going to be completely self-serving, which I think we've brought, mentioned on the, pod, on the podcast before. But number f- my number five favorite announcing moment is when Harry Carey wished me a happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeremy. I, 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 we have talked about that on the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be, uh, you know, a great present for you, for somebody to get, like, the clip of that, uh, you know, t- ask WGN to go through their archives and yeah. get that clip of him mentioning your name, you I, know? I believe it was June 24th. I think it was 1994. I think it was okay. against the Cardinals, and I have a recollection of Todd Zeal, a young Todd Zeal, <laughs> like, in Cardinal Red. Uh but, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think I can actually, like, narrow down the date. So, like, it's like, yeah, man, just let me into those archives. Like, why doesn't MLB have their archives available, like, for, like, a subscription service? Like, pay, like, $100 a year and you can access, like, any clip uh, that you want. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it. they have all those games in uh, archive. And I, I think there's a lot more people uh, than you would think who would who would pay that premium, too. Yeah, I certainly um, would. You know. Yeah, so... Uh, well, Jeremy, I mean, and like you said, it would be easy to nail down the date because it was it was your birthday. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm so, pretty sure it was '94. Okay, okay. Strike short in season. Um, there oh, you yeah. go. That's that's why they went on strike. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, Jeremy, I, uh, I was just looking at that uh, season. I think you know Matt Williams finished that season with like 43 home runs, but I didn't know that uh, Jeff Bagwell, I think, had 39 home runs like when that season ended. So like oh, that's really? also. That's also a lot of homers. Like, there were a lot of dudes on pace to do a lot of things that year. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, you getting wished a happy birthday is uh, <laughs> just, just one more reason why that year was crazy. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I, I, so for my first one, I might as well get it out of the way since you mentioned it. But, like, I, I was re-watching, um, the, you know, we can, this can sort of just be an amalgamation of, of those two famous clips you mentioned. But I, I, I re, uh, re-watched or re-listened to... Um, the uh, Eric Estrada and Drunk Rick Sutcliffe clips uh, recently, and like I, I feel like I I find funny things, new funny things in those clips uh, every time I watch them, and so I, mm-hmm. I think like a couple we haven't talked about. Um, for the first one, for the Eric Estrada one, I've always wondered why Bob Brenly doesn't say anything after like the first ten seconds of that clip, uh-huh. and I, I found I figured out why. At first, I thought it was because um, in the beginning of the clip, Brenly goes. Uh, yeah, you were named one of the ten sexiest men alive. And then, like, you know, Eric Estrada, like, kind of, he kind of blows the question off. Like, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm embarrassed by it, but I'm not. You know, you got to uh, weigh it. Like, so, like, he kind of just, he, he just kind of blows the question off. And I always thought that, like, Bob Brenly was kind of, like, pissed that he got blown off. So he didn't say anything for the rest of the interview. That's actually, I don't think that's the case at all. What What happens is... Eric Estrada, and you'll see this if you watch the clip again, because they cut back to the booth uh, several times, but he, t- he turns himself all the way towards Len Casper, like all the way, like his back is completely to Bob Brenly. Um, it's very weird, and it must have been very weird for Len Casper to be like, why is this guy in my face? But, like, that's why Bob Brenly doesn't talk to him, because Eric Estrada just, like, has his back completely to Bob Brenly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty funny, and I, I had never noticed that before. And there's also a funny part where uh, when he's talking about Ron Jeremy, who is uh, another person who's been canceled. Uh, like he uh, um, he says uh, he says of Ron Jeremy, he goes, "Oh, you put him in front of a piano, he'll play anything from Mozart to jazz." 
Um, and it's just, uh, it's just, it's too good. It's, it's way too good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you could do a, a critical deconstruction of all those clips. And I was saying to you, Jack, the other day, like every line uttered in like the Rick Sutcliffe clip may be funny on its own. Yeah. If you isolate yeah. every single line, like sentence, like uttered in that clip, they may all be funny for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. And so the the line that I had never really caught from that clip was uh, he goes like, because uh, I think it's Matt Vescarjan and I think his booth partner is Mark Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he goes, uh, Rick Sutcliffe goes, man, he's like, if anybody doesn't like Mark Grant, they got problems, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like again, it's uh, like just just too good to be true. Like you know, every time you watch those, you you get something else. You get something else out of it. So I, so that I, was kind of my f- oh yeah first nice. one was just those two. Yeah yeah. Nice. I I'll say the thing that still makes me laugh about the the Sutcliffe one is, I mean again yeah every time you watch it you can find a new favorite thing. But like I love that like Vaskurgeon's like feeble attempt to kind of like take back control of the interview as he brings up like that subject that Sutcliffe was the subject of a trivia question. It's yeah. like if you had even even a guy like Rick Sutcliffe that you are familiar with and good friends with and is no stranger to the baseball booth, like even if you had him in the bo- in the booth, you wouldn't waste your time by saying, "Hey, you were a trivia question answer." You know, the other day it's like gee, it's like Sutcliffe would be like, "Why are we talking about this?" Like I could go I'd rather go home than, than waste my time talking about a trivia question, but he's right. just like trying to like find anything to like kind of take back control. And then he, right. and Sutcliffe was like, no, 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 no. Like he just, he's he's just, like, just yeah, he's like, Maddie, Maddie, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. Um, but, uh, okay. Very nice, Jack. Very nice. Uh, it's an all timer and it's definitely worth <laughs> revisiting. I'll say. Um, Oh yes. So I actually have an earnest one here for, uh, for number four. Um, and it's uh, Vin Scully's uh, call of Sandy Koufax's uh, perfect game uh, from September 9th, 1965. Um, I think that this is maybe one of Vin Scully. Vin Scully has a lot of um, famous yeah. calls uh, in his career. Uh, the the uh, Bob Gibbs or not Bob the Kirk Gibson uh, walk off homer, um, which actually was like the radio broadcast because there was another there was like a, another. There were two. Both calls of that home run were were famous, uh, but Vin Scully's wins out. I think just because he's Vin Scully. I think the other one was maybe Joe Garagiola or something. But um, I think uh, yeah, I think Vin Scully has a famous call of uh, Hank Aaron's record-breaking uh, home run too, when he broke Babe Ruth's record. Oh um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think he talks about he's like uh, you know uh, uh, this this crowd in the deep south is is giving a, a black man a standing ovation for hitting a, you know for hitting a home run. He's like what a what a great moment for for baseball. Um, and you know, one thing they said, uh, one thing they would say about Ben Scully too, is that often he would use like silence to mm-hmm. his advantage. So like he would, um, he would just kind of let the crowd tell the story, especially on TV. But I don't think that I've, uh, I don't think I've ever heard about the Koufax one. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's knowing, uh, Vin Scully, it's, it's actually not, not anything necessarily remarkable. It's just that he, um, like right before the pitch, he gives the time. He's like, it's nine fifty six in Los Angeles or something. Uh, and you know, the pitch from Koufax, whatever, like he kind of like sets the, the tone, but the fact that he like just said the time, I don't know what it was about it, but it's just like, he just like, it, it's just, he just sets the, the picture like really nice. And I, I don't know if I'm making this up or if I saw this in an interview, like, you know, at some point, but like, I think he was saying like he was kind of recording, he was giving the play by play 
with the uh, thought in mind that like you know he wanted this he wanted Kofax to have this like like have that mm-hmm. sound bite like as you know something to accompany the the feet basically and he kind of just wanted to set the table of like you know what time was it where are they where is this happening what's going on you know all of like just giving all the details and um so i don't know like it's just it's kind of just a classic it's like a nice encapsulation of of vince scully there's a lot of great vince scully moments actually another one that would probably be on my list if we didn't mention it in the baseball videos was the whole larry boa thing uh sure he's when larry boa gets thrown out of the game for not uh, being in the box that was probably my favorite vin scully moment uh but he's got he's got a story i think we might have even mentioned it where he talks about khalil green and like his mother being like a buddhist or something and uh-huh. the meaning of the name khalil he did a whole thing about troy tulowitzki and a mullet and he's like i thought a mullet was a fish um and uh <laughs> there's a whole thing there and he's like they're telling me it's a hairstyle <laughs> and like so there's like all that but like so you know this is it's kind of a placeholder for just Vin Scully who needed to be in the top five anyway. But like, I think it's just a cool, classy, classic, um, baseball call. And so it's on my list for that reason, I guess. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, very good. Um, yeah. One of my favorite Vin Scully moments is, uh, I just turned on a random Cubs Dodgers game and like Matt Caesar singled and he's like, and, uh, that is Caesar, uh, not spelled like Julius. Um, I was like, yeah, that's just like a little Vin Scully thing. That's, uh, that's clever. Um, well, very cool. Yeah. I, uh, so this is a, a dumb, a dumb clip, Jeremy, and it's a very short clip, but, uh, it's, it's Victor Rojas from the, uh, Los Angeles Angels. And he goes, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's like a Tom Brenneman situation where, uh, he doesn't, they, they come back from a commercial break and he doesn't know the, uh, he doesn't know his mic is hot and he goes, uh, like a Leonard Skinner song comes on over the over the PA system, and he goes, "Great fucking song," and then uh, and then like you know, then they broadcast the rest of the inning, and you don't see it, and then it goes to like the you know the the top half of the next inning, and he goes, he goes, "Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have just been informed that uh, you know I said a I said a bad word when I I didn't know my mic was on. I, I thought I had hit the cough button, and I was wrong. Uh, so I want to assure you that that's never going to happen again." But uh, but that is a very good song, and uh, and I thought that was uh, I thought that was great because like you know he uh, you know he acknowledged what he said was bad, but he still had a well not bad, but he just said a swear sure. word. Uh, but then he uh, but then he also had a sense of humor about it. You know he, he could have just dryly apologized for it, but he was like yeah, but that is a good song. Um, yeah. So I thought I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, it's it's kind of it, it almost makes you sad because it's like yeah that's you know. If you screw up in that way, where it's not, you know, horrible, um, you can have a little bit of sense of humor about it. Um, right. So, yeah, it's almost refreshing to like have a human moment that wasn't, you know, damning of that person and their entire career and who they are. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, and, and I guess he really likes Leonard Skinner. So, uh, you know, that's that's fair. I hope it yeah. was something other than Sweet Home Alabama because that's a little. No, yeah, I, I think it was a, a simple man. I think, oh, okay. if I'm not, not mistaken. Um, and actually, the, the, maybe the funniest part of that whole clip is at the beginning, um, Mark Gubiza, uh, he goes, um, I, think he, I think he's his booth partner. I think it was mm-hmm. him. But he goes, uh, you can hear Mark Gubiza go, Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's very strange. That's the first thing you hear in the clip. And then, like, and then Victor Rojas says, great fucking song. So it's like, yeah, neither of these... 
neither of these guys knew they were on air. Um, nice. But uh, but yeah, that's a that's a good clip, and uh, you know it's it's nice to know that Victor Rojas has a has a sense of humor. I should watch more Angels games if he's still doing them. I'm not sure. I I think so. Now that uh, now that you mention it, I do. Yeah, there are some like you know booths out there that I like. I do like the Angels booth. I think for the most part, um, I like the uh, A's booth. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, very nice. I like that. That's funny. Um, Let's see. Okay, so mine, uh, we're going to stay on the West Coast for mine, uh, for my number three, uh, and that is um, the Mike Blower's uh, prediction. Uh, Jack, do you know okay. this one? No, I don't know this one. All right, it was from 2009, I guess. Um, so there was a guy, do you remember Matt Tuiasosopo, Jack? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I do remember that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I think his, I think his brother was the quarterback for the Ra- uh, Raiders. Um, yep. I can't yep. remember what his first name is, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, and I, th- I think it was the Raiders. Um, but, uh, I think that they're brothers. Uh, but anyway, so Matt Tuiasosopo was a player in, in, for, with the Seattle Mariners. And, uh, I don't know, this happened in, I think it said September or October, no September. This is at the very end of the season, I guess. And, um, yeah, so, uh, he, he was kind of like a prospect with the team, I guess, basically. And he said, like, I think it was in the pregame, uh, Mike Blowers said, like, I'm feeling, uh, the first homer for Tuyasa Sopo right here. And he's like, he's like, it's going to come, uh, you know, on a three, one pitch, uh, lower, low and outside. And he's going to hit it over the left field wall. And, um, you know, or something like that. He, he gave like more than one he didn't just say he's gonna hit a homer he like gave like these parameters and like so then like it came up uh in the game and um the it was like he said like a 3-1 count or something and uh yeah let me i have the 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 clip or the um the uh audio or not the audio the 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 text right here so blowers went uh with uh two yasasopas picked a click um, he would predict his first big league homer, the count that the home run would be hit on 3-1. The pitcher that the home run would be hit off of, Blue Jays starter Brian Tallett. The at-bat uh, that the home run would be hit in his second. And the pitch that the home run would come off of a fastball in the location of the home run left center field. Um, and it all came true. Um, I thought that there was something like the... I thought there was, like, one little thing that, that was wrong, but he, like, called it all perfectly. And so I in the clip, like, the play-by-play guy is like, all right, it's 3-1, let's see what happens. And then, like, he hits the homer, and he's like – and as the ball's going out, like, he, I, he he's either, like, he's, like, going the, – the play-by-play guy starts going crazy. Like, oh, my God, like, he called it. Like, he was, like, laughing and, like, yelling all at the same time. And, like, they were just like, you called it. Like, you nailed it. And, like, it was it was just a really funny moment and crazy moment and, like – yeah, he like got all these parameters correct about the the home run, and so that one has always kind of stood out to me. I remember Mike Blowers as a player a little bit, um, and uh, yeah, it was just kind of cool just how he nailed it. Sure, yeah, and I remember Mike Blowers too, Jeremy. He that so that that's kind of right when I started watching baseball is when I think he was playing with the Mariners. Um, he was a third baseman, if I'm not mistaken, right? Third baseman, yeah, first baseman. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah uh, and I, I've seen that clip too. Um, it immediately immediately rang a bell. Okay. When, uh, when you when you, you when you mentioned it, um, yeah, you know it's it's always uh, it's always good. It's always funny when guys can predict stuff like that. Steve Stone. Has a penchant, uh, they say, for being a psychic. Uh, I'm not sure if Flowers has the uh, has those same <laughs> abilities, but it seems like he got uh, seems like he got lucky at least once. Um, 
Yeah, so that's a, that's a good one. Uh, my, uh, my third one is, uh, is a Hawk Harrelson one. I mean, I feel like Hawk Harrelson is a guy, sort of like Ben Scully, who also needs to be in like a, you know, a, a best of clips. Um, his, so he has a clip, and I, I don't know what season this is from. It's got to be maybe 2012 or 2013, um, because Addison Reed and Gordon Beckham are both on the White Sox, as is Connor Gillespie. But um, uh, anyway, so it, there, there are two outs in the ninth inning. White Sox are at home, and they're about to get the win. Daniel Murphy is at the plate. Uh, they're up 4-3. to three. Uh, White Sox are. Daniel Murphy hits a pop, an infield pop-up that like should end the game. The Mets did have men on base. So uh, he pops it up, and uh, Gor- uh, Connor Gillespie at third base is going to make the catch, but all of a sudden Gordon Beckham runs over from second base and basically like takes his legs out for some reason, and it's, it's an error. Um, and the Mets tie the game in, in a ridiculous play that should have just been an easy pop fly out. And so Hawk Harrelson, for the next three minutes, because the, the inning goes on, there's another batter to face, there's another out to get, Hawk Harrelson just goes nuts. He goes, uh, his, first, uh, his first reaction is, um, uh, he's like, oh, we just keep finding ways. We just keep finding ways. And then, uh, you know, and then, and then Steve Stone, he's like, um, you know, he's like, so in this situation, it's supposed to be Reed's job to play traffic cop. Um, which is, um, like, he's trying to imply that, like, you know, Addison Reed should have, like, told Gordon Beckham not to try to catch this pop fly and let Gillespie have it. So, but, but then eventually, like, Steve Stone just stays quiet because I think he senses, like, how pissed off Hawk is. So for the next two minutes, like, Addison Reed still has to face one more batter to get out of the inning. All it is is just silence uh, and then Hawk going, oh, you got to be bleeping me. And he's like... <laughs> Oh, Lord have mercy. Just, like, every, every 15, 20 seconds, it's just Hawk, like, muttering, muttering something like that. And there's just, there's silence other than that. And then at the end of the clip, Hawk, uh, after, like, Addison Reed strikes the next batter out, uh, like, before it goes to commercial, Hawk goes, you have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. And then it, <laughs> and then it cuts. It's just great. It's just, uh, it's like the... You know, if you were going to show someone one clip of like, and just as an example of like Hawk Harrelson's like unprofessionalism and his homer and his just his strange homerism for the White Sox, despite never having played for them, um, this is the clip you would show them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, that's right. As they're going, it's as they're going to commercial break, he like gets in that like that last like blow up basically which is just crazy because he had time to kind of maybe calm down from that and he just didn't um which you know is something you got to love about the whole situation too is just that like he's like you know by by no means would he actually let it go you know just be just continue to stew about it um which you know i would i would say maybe is even the sign of a true fan like it's like yeah just it's hard to let those go um but yeah, I love that. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, I, I have some some hawk stuff as well, uh, but I'll save it here. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's a great one. Um, when you were telling me about that one, Jack, I knew exactly which one you were talking about. Sure. Um, and it's classic. It really is. Um, so uh, well, we can we can put a pin in the hawk talk. Uh, until uh coming up here in a second but uh, my number two is again very brief um one but it's it's chip carry and okay. uh here's the thing jack i 
now a lot of my a lot of clips that I've heard of bad announcing have come from like listening to the Boers and Bernstein show on the score like in like the 2000s basically a lot when I was listening to them a lot and you know with any radio show like sports radio show they they isolate clips and play the sound bites over and over again and so there was one clip um, from there was actually a montage of different Chip Carey bad calls um, yeah but there was one where he goes like you know I you know and he was always like like in imbalancedly like loud and boisterous basically and so there was some play i don't even know what play it was like i was trying to see if i could find the video clip of it but i can't even find it but he goes like there's a there's a, a pitch happens and he goes ball four strike three <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, it was clearly a full count and i guess like um and and it was a borderline call i guess and he just you know immediately just blows up ball four and it, I, it must have like walked it would have maybe like walked the you know tying run in or something sure but yeah it was like but he called it strike three right away and so it was it, and it wasn't even like you know sometimes an a, a, a announcer will be like ball four no what like he called it a strike what but like right carry literally just went like ball four strike three <laughs> and it was just bad i yeah i i think i've uh i think i've heard this um you know that uh yeah, that that's just that's just bad announcing uh, right there. Um, that 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 brings to mind one time. You know, we hey, we went to a wrestling show on this uh, on this podcast, so this is fair game to talk about. But uh, Jim Ross in the WWE one time, uh, you know, the the wrestler Rob Van Dam was supposed to get po- he was going to get power bombed by some other wrestler, um, and that, but like they botched the spot and like the power bomb got fucked up, and and Jim Ross said. Well, uh, uh, Rob Van Dam just counted that power bomb, I think, and that was uh, <laughs> that was it. So that that kind of that kind of reminds me of uh, of that a little bit, Jeremy. You know, just like just like uh, really indecisive uh, announcing, um, and like, but hey, you know, it's like Tom Brenneman is uh, you know Tom Brenneman is Marty Brenneman's kid, and Chip Carey is is Harry Carey's kid. So like. Hey, maybe when you don't, you know, maybe when you don't earn your way into that announcing booth, like, uh, you know, bad announcing can happen, you know? Yeah, there was, um, yeah, the, the, the Chip Carey experience in Chicago was, was a weird one. I hated him most of his time there. And then like towards the end, I think maybe, I don't know, like he, I feel like he got better. I started liking him a little more at the end, but like, I remember like he, so they would be on, um, it was uh, not Comcast Sport, like Fox Sports Net, I think it was called at the time. Sure. Um, and they had the best damn TV show, right? Or the best damn sports show, right? Wasn't that what that show was called with Jim? Uh, yeah, yeah, the best. The be- yep, yeah, yeah, the best damn sports show, period, right? Yeah, and he would, like, they would do, like, a, a commercial for it coming up, and Chip Carey would be like, the best darn sports show, period, coming up next. And he's like, I won't say that word. Like, he, like, he would like say that on the broad, he wouldn't like give the actual reading of the name of the show because he like disagreed with saying the word damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, like that, that, you know, that, that word lost its uh, controversy, you know, after gone with the wind came out, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. in 19, in the 1930s. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I actually remember that too. And he was like, uh, it was something about like, he's like, Oh yeah, I got little kids at home or yeah. something, something like that. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're just lame. You're just a, a milk toast. 
Um, and especially, you know, being, being uh, Harry Carey's kid, like, yeah. uh, I'm sure he was no stranger to, like, uh, you know, all kinds of debauchery that happened at home. Well, he was his grandson, but but oh, he was his grandson, right? Right. Okay. But still, like, I mean, I and I mean, honestly, they said that he was kind of estranged. They were estranged. Um, Yeah. Well. Well, who is uh, his uh, uh, Harry Carey's Skip? Yeah. Okay. Skip. Mixing up Skip and Chip Carey. Um, Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah. But I mean, I I I still think that plays into it because like. Yeah, the whole story is that, you know, they had been estranged and they were like they hadn't like made peace with each other and they were going to work together and then Harry died. But sure. like which maybe just a convenient story or something, but like um or not so convenient. But um but uh I so I mean maybe like Chip Carey was like my grandfather goes out carousing at night. I'm going to play it straight and and be it on be on the straight and narrow or something. It's like what a pathetic hill to die on where you won't say the word damn like it's, it's, <laughs> That's yeah. That's real fun to 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 you know commit to 162 games over your summer to a guy who won't say damn. Like wow, I can't wait. This is going to be great entertainment for four <laughs> hours every day uh, for my summer. Um. So so yeah. So anyway. Uh. Yeah. He. It was a complicated uh, history between Cubs fans and, and Chip Carey over the years. I would say. Um. And now he he just keeps going. Like he's just like in Atlanta, just going on and on and on. Like. I mean, I don't even know what I, I'll tune in every once in a while. And I'll just be like, I'll get kind of like PTSD of like, man, what if he was like the announcer for every single game you watch? Like, it's just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a mainstay there now for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, my, uh, my next cl- uh, clip that I, that I like, um, there was, a, there was a couple. So I, I had a couple of Keith Hernandez clips to choose from. Sure. There's been some, there's been some great ones. Um, I'll talk about three with my favorite being the last. But the first one is uh, talk, when he's talking about Tanner Roark, and it's a very, very short clip, but he goes, uh, yeah, he's getting his tits lit out there. But then, the, the, to me, the funniest part of that clip is uh, he <laughs> says that. He says, man, he's getting his tits lit. And then the, the guy who's in the booth with him goes, yeah, he is. Um, yeah. Just, like, Im- just immediately. Like, there's no, there's no pause. Uh, so that one's funny. And then there's another one where, uh, you know, it, it's like there's – zooms in on like the camera cuts to this couple eating a hot eating like big foot long hot dogs and somebody and jeremy you're, yeah i can see that you that you've seen this one but he uh he's you know i i don't know who's with him it might be ron darling um in the booth with him i'm not sure who's with him but anyway he uh like uh keith hernandez goes uh that's a 25 somebody says that's a 25 dollar hot dog and then keith hernandez goes oh my and then like uh some some guy goes like what do you you know how much how much meat do you think is in that hot dog and Keith Hernandez goes I wasn't talking about the hot dog and the thing is there was a I think he was referring to the woman who was like eating the hot dog Um, (laughs) and that's just uh, that's just like like, cringeworthy it just makes you makes you shake your head Um, that's that's the height of boys club yes yes absolutely so that that was the that that's definitely like a Keith Hernandez cringeworthy moment um and then uh, the last one, though, the one that I'm going to focus on is, uh, and, you know, this kind of goes in with, like, Keith Hernandez being a member of the, you know, Play the Game the Right Way club, but uh, it's a clip from the, uh, like, a Mets versus Nationals game, and uh, I think Frank Francisco is the pitcher for the, for the Mets, but uh, it's a th- he's got a 3-0 count to Jason Wirth, and then he just clearly throws at Jason Wirth and hits Jason Wirth in the back, 
Um, and so then Keith Hernandez says, he's like, yeah, folks, you hear me all the time talking about how guys aren't throwing at, at guys on purpose. He goes, that was on purpose. And then the, uh, the, the announcer with him goes, you know, why would, why would he throw at Jason Worth? And Keith Hernandez goes, because he's a fool. That's why. And then he, uh, and then he goes, he's like, yeah, you do that. Like, you're going to get one of your teammates hit. Why don't you make him bat next inning? You know, uh, and I was like, damn, like he's really getting on Frank Francisco there. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Wait, so really, it was Frank Francis, Frankie Francisco. Like, is that the same Frankie Francisco who threw the chair at the in the stands in in Oakland? It might have been. It might have been. It might have been him. Um, I'm gonna have to. I don't know how many Frank Franciscos there were. Yeah, I'm doing a quick. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he 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 was on the Mets. Um, yeah. Uh, well, maybe that's why. Maybe like he was just like generally down on Frankie Francisco because yeah, that was the guy who there was like a brawl um, with the, like the bullpen and um, Oakland fans. Like, I think it was, um, he was on Texas at the time and like, yeah, like fan, I I don't even remember how it started, but like fans, like fans by the bullpen and and guys in Texas bullpen got into a fight, much like the, the Dodgers Cubs uh, incident that happened in the nineties in Wrigley field. Uh, but there was like a brawl and like Frankie Francisco just picks up one of the chairs that the the relievers are sitting on and he throws it in the stand. He just throws it like kind of like jump shots it into the stands and like hit, yeah. he hit some like lady in the face who like had nothing to do with anything. Right. Um, um, I think he got suspended pretty hard for that, too, didn't he? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I, rem- I remember that. I remember when that happened. So, uh, yeah, Frank Francisco, I guess, you know, apparently he's just some kind of hellion. Um, and, uh, yeah, Keith Hernandez wasn't having it. So he was mad at, at the Mets guy. Interesting. Yeah, he was mad at the, at the, at the Mets guy, uh, at, at Frank Francisco. And he, he actually said, he's like, yeah, they should make him go up to bat next inning. Right, uh, yeah, because, so, you know, David Wright probably was going to wear it because of that or something. Right, right, yeah, yeah, gotcha. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was an interesting clip. You don't often see announcers get that mad at players, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. For sure. Well, Jack, I almost um, stole your thunder with the uh, with the tits lit comment. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But uh, but because that's one of my all timers too. But uh, I will say you did steal my thunder a little bit on this one on my number one. But uh, it's okay um, because uh, mine is uh, mine is Hawk, um, and it's the you got to be the original. You got to be bleeping me. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard the original one. Yeah, it was um, it was directed at umpire mark wagner and the only reason why i know that is because one of the lines in that is what are you doing wagner <laughs> <laughs> oh wait is it was it is this in a game against the rays um maybe it was the i don't remember what team it was against okay okay but what was it uh were they arguing balls uh, ba- balls and strikes or something like that is that what it was yeah i, I mean it was, wrong yeah yeah i think he just called a bad uh you know he was just he was making some bad non calls and like sure and uh, and Hawk was like, yeah, you know, uh, what are you doing, Wagner? And then he's like, you gotta be beeping me. And like, <laughs> and like, I mean, to and I will say, like to his credit, actually, he like kind of like that was such a big hit that he kind of like he would say it, you know. Sure. It became one of his catchphrases, basically. Right. And like, right. I I want to say in that one because I think he says it twice. I think maybe he. I it I I don't know why I didn't listen to the clip beforehand just because it's so memorable in my mind. But like I think he says it twice, and at one point he goes like, "You gotta be beeping me," and like 
Um, and like he says, so so in the, I think in the same like you know rant, he says you got to be bleeping me and you got to be beeping me at the uh-huh. same like you know yeah uh, you know a, a, like a half a minute apart. And he right. was just so like apoplectic and like beside himself that like, um, yeah, he just like he was even like like you know swallowing his own words and you know it was just it was just funny to hear and like I mean at the time it was just like it was just like the closest you could come to swearing and um obviously hawk had had blow-ups i don't i think that you're saying that he said you got to be bleeping me during that that mets thing yeah but i mean this was obviously before before that all happened um or i mean uh, after the after the incident you're describing right. i think um, yeah 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 so, yeah so yeah i mean so this was the first time we ever heard him say that and like obviously he's been known he had been prone to having like you know fits and tantrums and and uh you know blow-ups like in the booth um but like that was a new one and uh i gotta say it was it was pretty it was pretty funny that he like he established that new line of like essentially swearing without swearing um, right self-censoring himself which was pretty funny i would say yeah, it you know it was good and uh, and you know he even found variations of ways to like you know say it like different inflections like I think in the clip that I that I talked about he goes oh you gotta be bleeping me like uh, you know he's not as uh, you know he's not as he's not as vehement about it it's just uh, it's more of like a you know under his breath type of thing um, which is just kind of weird to think you know it's like that these catchphrases that he said. And even, like, the mercy, you know, like, just saying that became a catchphrase. Like, just, like, this guy is just, like, completely lost in his own mythology of, like, uh, yes. you know, what, what, just, like, thinking he's a, this great, like, uh, orator uh, yeah. for the White Sox. He became uh, a caricature of, him, of himself. <laughs> yes. Most, I mean, you know, we got his alarm clock, right? Yes. Like, it doesn't get any more of a caricature than that. Um, yeah, so, Hawk, you, you, won't, you won't find a White Sox fan who talks bad about Hawk, or at least it's very, it's very difficult to find one. So, um, guy, I was just talking to a White Sox fan the other day and he was like, he was like, yeah, I, I like Hawk. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, I, all right. All right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, he is a, he is a legend, a guy, a guy that only, uh, the White Sox could embrace, you might say. Um, you know, I, uh, I guess Jeremy for my last one, uh, I can't remember the specific incident and there's no clip for this. Uh, at all online, but it's from when I was a kid. I was watching a Brewers game, and Bill Schroeder, who is uh, the color man for the Milwaukee Brewers and has been for, you know, 30 years now, for whatever reason, um, he, uh, he, said, he said about a player, he said, uh, yeah, it doesn't strike out a whole lot. Um, and th- it was about a player. I don't remember who it was about. It was about a guy in the Brewers. But this guy struck out a lot. He struck out all. He struck out all the time, and uh, and and that that's still something that Bill Schroeder will say about guys. Hey, it doesn't strike out a whole lot. Um, so like, uh, yeah, that that was kind of the first time I realized that like, you know, announcers uh, don't always know what they're talking about. You know, or like they don't always. Uh, you know, sometimes like they got to fill 162 games of whatever, and so sometimes the thing that the things they say are just are just filler or just BS or like they didn't do their homework. Yeah. You know, these guys aren't like, these guys aren't gods. They're just, uh, you know, sometimes they're just guys trying to do a job. Yeah, for sure. That, that to me, Jack, that strikes me as like something that's like deep rooted in you as like a Brewers fan. Like the, like, 
you know, you can never pick up on the subtleties of an announcer better than like someone who, you know, is a that whose home team that is and watches, you know, all the games day in and day out. And you, you pick up on these things and, uh, you know, home fans can find things that they love or hate about an announcers that other fans can't even, you know, can't, can't, you know, wrap their heads around. Um, so that's like that's a very subtle thing that I feel like is coming from like, you know, a Brewers fan. <laughs> specifically but uh but yeah no i mean it, it it is funny like uh i think like for as many great announcers that uh, that have been in baseball there's probably five bad ones like you know sure uh, play by play or color guys and uh that's part of it too i think it's like that's part of the folksy nature of baseball is is um having bad announcers or misinformed announcers or like uh, color guys who don't really like, you know, who are saying things that are kind of unchecked for every Steve stone. There's like a bill Schroeder or a Ron Santo, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we, you know, Jeremy, we could do an entire episode of just like watching, uh, you know, watching a game that a rod broadcasts and oh. just writing down all, all of the stupid stuff that he says throughout a game <laughs> yeah. and then doing a podcast for it, which actually wouldn't be a bad idea for a podcast <laughs> to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I, I mean, and as much as I dislike a rod, it's like, I'm I'm amused by I'm enter, I guess I am, at the end of the day I'm entertained by his his badness like you know yeah. like it's yeah. kind of funny it's just kind of funny I mean with a Rod specifically specifically and I think we maybe even talked about it on the podcast it's like for that guy to like kind of be making an an ass of himself like week in and week out on Sunday nights on ESPN is almost like his penance his like long term penance for cheating the game of baseball by taking steroids is like. Okay, man. Yeah, you know, you were heralded as like a wonderkind, like uh, Hall of Famer, instant Hall of Famer, like prodigy, could break uh, Hank Aaron's home run record your whole career, and then you, you know, you left in disgrace, and now you know there's pictures of you, of you sitting on the toilet taking a crap, and you know there's and you're on ESPN just saying dumb <laughs> things. You're smelling an empty, a sealed salsa jar, and it's like America's just laughing at you. Man. <laughs> and this is your penance for the rest of your career. Right, right. <laughs> and the only person you know, he he's he's Archie Bunker now. You know, it's like he he's the he's the butt of the joke, but he doesn't know it. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. He thinks he thinks he's awesome. So uh, so yeah, uh, that, that's a that's a good that's a good way to put it. Uh, and that might be it. That might be a good place to end it too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we can end it there. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's so many things that, uh, you know, I think again, you know, with a list like this, I, I fear like, you know, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, oh man, I forgot about this one. Why didn't I mention it? So, you know, this is another one that could have legs for a for a part two or, you know, n- items six through ten. You know, we'll complete the top ten or something. But, uh, but yeah definitely there's there's so many to choose from and it all starts with <laughs> Estrada and Rick Sutcliffe um, <laughs> for sure right um, but yeah we can wrap it up there um, so uh, for uh, Randall A. Theater I'm Jeremy Dionisio and I'm Jack Swakowski see you next time